0: Well, good morning, Bedrock. How's everyone doing? Oh, come on, church. You excited to be here today? Okay, good, good. Well, we're going to continue on in our um, series as we look at some of uh, what God is going to do through these next two episodes. And actually... We are going to be covering two episodes at one time. There's two stories in it that connect, and it's just too much to put into one weekend. And so episode four and 5 we're going to be covering this week, but I did want to give you guys a little bit of an update on our prayer and fasting and where we are in looking for our new location. We think we've narrowed down our brand new location. And so at the end of the 21 days, literally Cody and I were talking on the phone and we're like, all right, today's the end of the 21 days of prayer and fasting. We asked God for an answer and he gave us one. And so we will be making a big announcement in the next few weeks and we want you to be a part of that. So probably what we're going to do is have a special meeting and service. Right after this Sunday morning service, we're going to let you guys know what God has been up to. And let me just tell you, it's incredible, and I am so excited for the future. So be praying over the next couple weeks how you can be a part of what that means and how exciting it can be for what what is happening next. So this morning, uh, we're going to be talking about something I think that is really near and dear to all of us. It is something that uh, I think all of us need, all of us want, and uh, maybe sometimes it feels elusive in your life. A couple of years ago, um, I dislocated my shoulder playing football. I was, blocking, I was being blocked, and I was going to tackle someone in my shoulder dislocated out of the back of my shoulder. Um, so my arm dislocated, and it tore what's called my labrum. It's in the back of your shoulder. It keeps your shoulder really stabilized, and I tore it like 85%. Uh, Through And so I was in college and we were trying to decide if I was going to go back to school or rehab or do all of these different things. And um, we decided that I was not going to get surgery, that I was going to rehab my shoulder. And um, so I went through this process of of rehabbing. And if you know anything about your labrum, um, if you have a hurt labrum, your shoulder dislocates a lot. Like I would be sleeping at night and I would wake up and my shoulder was dislocated uh, because I rolled on it wrong or rolled on it weird. And then I'd roll and then it would relocate. And so it was a super exciting time of my life. You never knew what was going to happen. Um, But part of like my rehabilitation was I had to go to a physio and they would have me lay on a table uh, with my chest on the table. And they'd have me hang my arm off the side and I would have to lift a one pound weight like this and trying to strengthen my shoulder. I went to rehab um, for quite a while, and we got back to a lot of strength. The reality was is I was healed. My arm had been healed, and I was doing great. But the problem was I didn't go and lift weights or do any kind of activity that would hurt my shoulder for almost two years after that. Because the reality was is I was healed, but I don't know if I was really walking in my healing. Has anyone in here ever experienced that? You have some healing in your life. God has done something incredible in your life, but there's a difference between being healed and realizing you're healed. And so today, what we're going to be talking about is the fact that God wants to heal you in this room. God wants to heal you. And here's the reality. In Christ, you are healed. In Christ, you're completely healed. In Christ, you have everything that you need. The reality of what you and I need to do is we need to start walking in that healing. A lot of us walk around with memories and physical pain or emotional pain or relational pain, and we walk around in this life like we are still injured. But the reality is, is in Christ, you're free. In Christ, you're healed in this room right now, if you know Jesus Christ as Lord and Savior. Now, where we're going to be going this morning, if you have a Bible with you, it will be in Mark chapter five exclusively this morning. And we're going to be in this story that actually happens inside another story, that there's a connection to these two moments, but we're going to deal uh, with the story of the woman with bleeding. You may know this story, it's in Mark chapter 5, and it's right in between the healing and raising from the dead Jairus' daughter. And so what happens here is I want to give you a little bit of historical context about what is going on. But in this time in the world, um, if you had any kind of bleeding, that you were ceremonially unclean. you, You were not allowed to be around people if people touched you. Now, they were unclean. If you brushed up against them, they were unclean. And so what would happen is if you had this bleeding, then you would be ostracized completely. Now, when we walk into this very first clip, we're going to be introduced to, as the Bible names her, the woman with bleeding. That's all that the Bible refers to her as. It's just some nondescript person who has a, a, a problem with bleeding that has been ostracized for a very long time. And where we're going to open up this very first clip is... Um, Peter's wife has met her for the first time and has realized what's going on. She knows of this secret spring that no one else knows about, and she takes Peter's wife to this spring. Now, that would be kind of awkward. It would be dangerous for you to go to places by yourself. And so when you saw this in the passage and that she was going to a spring by herself, that would mean, hey, something has gone terribly wrong. Maybe you're in this room and you feel that way. You feel like something has happened in your life, um, maybe something from the past, maybe it's the present, or maybe it's your fear of the future. I don't know, but there's a part of your life where you feel totally isolated, where you feel like if people knew, if people heard, if people knew what I did, if people knew what happened to me, if people knew the things that I was struggling with, if people knew my health condition, if people knew my finance issues, if people knew they would not be around me. And what happens is is when we walk in hurt, when we walk in pain, when we walk in trauma that isn't fully healed or we're not walking in our healing, it has a way of leaking and affecting our entire life. Trauma doesn't stay still. Hurt doesn't stay still. It has a way of invading every single part of our life. And that's what we're going to see this morning. And so as we jump in to this very first clip, This is Peter's wife and this woman with bleeding, and they're beginning to talk. And I want you to see how much this has affected her life. Check it out. Mark 5, 25. Listen to what the Bible says here as we're introduced to this woman. And a woman was there who had been subject to bleeding for 12 years. Everyone say 12 years. This is going to be really important in our connection, not just to this week, but to next week, okay? So this is a number. When you join us next week, you need to remember 12 years, okay? Can you imagine, and some of you can in this room, because some of you have been dealing with trauma and pain and hurt longer than 12 years. For, for 12 years of this lady's life, she had been subject to this issue of bleeding. She had suffered a great deal under the care of many doctors, and had spent all that she had, yet instead of getting better, she grew worse. We're introduced to this lady, and immediately we are introduced to not just the fact that she has a health problem, but that this health problem has resulted in destitution in every single part of her life. She's completely isolated. She's unmarried, right, because not only with the bleeding cause relational issues, but now her husband would be completely unclean every time he was around her, every time. We see that this issue of bleeding caused her to lose her family, that her parents had pushed her out of the house and would not be welcoming her in because the house and her parents would be unclean. She can't have any friends, right? Because she would affect every single person that she was around. And some of you feel that way in here. Like if people really knew what I was doing, if people really knew what I was struggling with, if people really knew my past, if people really knew my finances, if people really knew how my marriage really ended, if people really knew, I wouldn't have any friends. So what do you do? Because of your trauma, you keep everybody away. Do you notice what she said in that clip? You better not touch me because if you touch me, you'll be ceremonially unclean for seven days and you won't be able to be with your husband. Can you imagine feeling that way? Like you were that toxic that you were that unapproachable, that you were that unnoticeable, that, that even your problem would become other people's problem if they were around you. And not only can she not have friends and family and parents, and she's unmarried, which would lead to destitution in her life because women at this time could not own land. They could not vote. They could not testify in a court of law. So to be unmarried at her age in this culture meant absolute financial destitution, absolute relational, absolute uh, cultural uh, lowering, and so she's impoverished. She can't have a job. She doesn't have a home because she can't afford one, nor could she buy one. I mean, the Bible even mentions her as just the woman with bleeding. She doesn't even have a name. And and I believe that that's intentional. We're going to see something more of what the Bible does for her in just a minute. But she, even in this part of her life, couldn't worship God freely. And I bet you some of us in this room can relate to that. I bet you that some of us in this room can relate to the fact that the pain that you have causes you, like, church to be painful at times. Because like you're reminded of how not good you are or how hard life was or how bad things are. Or every time they ask for a tithe, you're like, my financial situation is in such a mess. I feel guilty because I can't give because I had to pay six credit cards this week. I'm already negative in my balance. And this, you feel this constant pressure and you feel like you can't worship freely. Do you feel that way? Where in your life do you feel outcast or hopeless right now? I mean, does you, do you have this feeling that you've lost hope, that you, that everything feels hopeless? Your finances, maybe you you feel like right now I'll never be able to afford a house. And it's, in our city is becoming less and less of a reality, right? And that's not just our city, it's the world. Maybe you feel like you you won't ever get out of that mountain of debt. Maybe you never will pay off those medical bills. Maybe you'll never be able to to do all of these things. You feel like the creditors are right around the corner and they're going to repossess your car and you're about to lose your apartment, you feel like you are financially dead. Or maybe your financial issues have gone into relational issues. I mean, really one of the number one reasons for divorce in our country is finances. That the mountain of debt and things that we go through becomes too much or you feel like in this room you'll never be married or you'll never be married again. Or you'll never be in a relationship or why doesn't anyone want to be with me or why don't I have friends or maybe you feel hopeless in your health situation. They'll never find a cure. You could relate to her. She's been dealing with this for 12 years, chronic illness for 12 years. And you can, like, that's me. My back's never going to get better. This diagnosis is never going to get better. I've tried every type of medicine and treatment and experimental treatment, and nothing is working, and I am resigned for the rest of my life that this is how my health is going to be. And you've prayed about it, and it's not getting better, and all of these things, or how about this? Maybe some of us feel so isolated and hopeless because there is one sin that has your name. And it's like the one thing that you hate doing, but that when you hate everything, it's the one thing that you do. Can anyone in here relate to that? Like, I hate that I do this. I hate that I blow up in anger. I hate that I look at this. I hate that I watch that. I hate that I think about this. I hate that I spend that. I hate that I'm so jealous. I hate that I'm so angry, whatever it is. And all of that has leaked into your life. In this one area of your life, you feel so isolated. And so it makes you feel like you can't do anything else. You know what I love about this scene And the reality of this woman is this. She may have been in a hopeless situation, but she did not lose hope. Have you lost hope in here today? Have you lost hope that it's ever going to get better? It's it's never going to work out? Like you, you just feel desperate. It's overwhelming. I want you to hear this verse that... God gave to the people of Israel through the prophet Isaiah as they were in a very hopeless situation. Isaiah 41.10 says this, so do not fear for I am with you. Do you believe and know that God is with you right now? Do not be dismayed for I am your God. I will strengthen you and help you. I will uphold you with my righteous right hand. That is a strong hand of God. In this room, you may feel like you are hopeless, but do be like this woman and don't lose hope. That maybe your healing, your, your freedom, your finance, like it's just around the corner. Don't give up too early. I feel like so many of us quit too soon. We quit our marriage too soon. We quit our relationships too soon. We quit paying down that debt too soon. We quit getting healthy too soon. When the reality is, is yes, things can happen in an instant, but sometimes it happens progressively. And we need to be ready for that. And we need to walk into that. And so what, one of the things that I want to commend this woman for is even though she had tried everything else, doctors, she had lost all of her money, and she only got worse. She says in this passage and in this scene, and then we see in the passage, she was still willing to try one more thing. And in this room, are you willing to try one more thing, to keep going, that God has something for you in this room? Remember, I told you that God wants to heal you. And so as we enter into this next scene, it's two of the disciples are going to walk. They're going to see some blood on a trail and think someone is hurt, and they're going to approach her where she is totally isolated. You can tell she's camping outside of the city. She is totally away from everyone and they are going to approach her. But something happens for her. God enters the situation through two other people that brings hope into her situation. I want you to see what happens next. Don't lose your hope in God. This woman had heard about Jesus. Listen to what happens in Mark 5, verse 27 and 28. When she heard about Jesus, what does that mean? That means people are talking about Jesus. That means that there are people in the world that are around her that have talked about this great Savior and healer. They've rumored that he is the Messiah. They have heard about what he has done. Let me ask you a question in this room. Are you sharing your story about what God has done in your life? See, some of us in this room need a story, and some of us have a story. Do you have a story that you need to share in this room of what God has done in your life? Because there may be somebody in this room that needs to hear your story, that needs to hear how the God and the creator of the universe rescued and healed you. Because here's the reality, guys everybody in this room is in need of healing, sin is devastating. It breeds death. And what breeds death needs healing, right? If we're about to die, we go to a doctor for healing, right? Do some of us in this room need to realize that all of us need the great physician? That we all need to see the one that not only can heal us, the one who created us. And maybe the problem that you're having in this room right now, maybe the hurt that you have in this room right now, is honestly can only be healed by the great physician. And you've tried everything else, just like her. She tried every doctor. In fact, even in the book of Leviticus, there are seven remedies given for this problem. She's tried them all. She's tried everything. And it's only gotten worse, and it's, it's only gotten harder. So when she heard about Jesus, someone else's story gave hope to her story. She came up behind him in the crowd and touched his cloak. We're going to see this in just a second. Because she thought, and I love that the text gives us an image into her mind. It says, she thought this, if I just touch his clothes, I will be healed. Some of us in this room don't want to bother Jesus. You just want to be healed by Jesus. You're like, if I, I don't even need to speak to you. I don't need to interrupt you. I don't need to bother you. I just, just need to touch your cloak. The cloak that she's talking about is... Um, Jewish men now, if you, if you know any Orthodox uh, Jewish people, they wear this now. But you, many of you have seen these shawls, these prayer shawls that uh, Jewish people wear. And it has tassels coming off of the shawl that are tied in knots. And the, the, it's four uh, strands that are doubled over and tied over. And it has all of this significant meaning of the reminder of the holiness and the goodness of God. And so she believes, if I just, if I just touched the tassel of his prayer shawl, I'll, I'll be healed. That's her faith. That's her faith. I don't even need to speak to him he doesn't even need to know my name no one knows my name if I could just like I don't even need to interrupt him if I just get near him and touch his tassel I'll be healed but I want you to notice something and maybe this is an encouragement for everybody in this room there are a lot of no's that led to yes There's a lot of no's from doctors, there's a lot of no's from parents, there's a lot of no's from the culture, there's a lot of no's from society, and all of those no's led her to be desperate enough to try to touch the tassel of Jesus' cloak. And maybe for some of us in this room, you need to get desperate enough that you'll try God. But some of us in this room, I think, are pretty afraid that if we go to God and it's a no, then what do we do then? But I've already told you in this room that God wants to heal you, and he wants to heal you perfectly. He loves you. You're his son or daughter in this room. And there's nothing, nothing, nothing that is too far gone, too far away, too deep, too bad, too, too, too much for him. She had been bleeding for 12 years. And she had tried all that the world had to offer. But what the reality is, is the world didn't have much to offer. And for some of us in this room, you've tried what the world has to offer. And I, look, my dad's a doctor. My mom's a nurse. I'm not anti-medicine. I like medicine. I, I like doctors. But there's a limit. Because they're studying what God created because they're not the creator. Are you desperate enough in this room to say yes to God? To say yes to him? That all the no's in your life and... You're living under a pile of no's when the pile could be burying you or it could be the mountain that you're climbing to yes. The choice is yours in this room, by the way. Are the no's burying you or the no's the steps towards yes today? My hope is for you in this room today. It is the steps towards yes. Now, this very next scene, I want to get to it because I want to be conscientious of time, but you guys can tell I don't really care about time. Uh, (laughs) Um, We're just going to go off God's time. But this next clip's a little bit longer because I I spend half my week trying to whittle these clips down, okay? I'm taking an hour-long episode and I'm trying to get it to you guys in 10 minutes, okay? It's awful, all right? But this next clip, I couldn't cut it down. It's too powerful. So let's see what happens when she shows up in the crowd. Let's see what happens when God does something incredible in our life. Check it out. Mark 5, 29. Immediately, her bleeding stopped, and she felt in her body that she was freed from her suffering. At once, Jesus realized that power had gone out from him. He turned around in the crowd and asked, Who touched my clothes? You see the people crowding against you, his disciples answered, and yet... You can ask who touched me, but Jesus kept looking. Everyone say that. Jesus kept looking. Why? Around to see who had done it. Then the woman, she's just referred to as the woman, knowing what had happened to her, came and fell at his feet. This is what you do when you worship God. Trembling with fear and told him the whole truth, he said to her, Daughter, Your faith has healed you. Go in peace and be freed from your suffering. There's a lot to get into here, so just bear with me for just a second. But I think there's some freedom about to happen in this place. And so let me ask you the first question. Are you fighting to get to Jesus? Right now, in this room, are you fighting to get to Jesus? All the no's, all the distractions, all the hurt, all the pain... All the disappointment, I believe that's what that crowd represented to her, but she was willing to fight through it all to get to him. Are you willing to fight to get to Jesus? He's not far, he is near you right now. Because here's the reality Jesus wants to heal you completely in this room. See, we all focus on, on this story, kind of the wrong aspect. See, the miracle is, yes, Jesus healed her from her bleeding. But Jesus didn't just heal her from her bleeding. He saved her. He rescued her whole life. I want you to notice what happens in this moment. He comes to her and he says, who who touched me? Who, who, Who did this? I don't think Jesus, maybe some people thought he was going to rebuke her, but he wanted to have a moment with her. He wanted to look her in the face and to know her. He wanted this healing to be personal. He wanted it to be real and authentic and valuable and something that she would remember beyond the fact that she doesn't bleed anymore. She remembers the fact that she talked to Jesus face to face. And every single person in this room can do that here today. See, because what happened is she's always referred to as the woman with bleeding, but to God, she is a daughter. And I don't know all of your names in this room, but there's no better name in this world to be called than daughter or son of God. Because that's what your identity is in Jesus Christ. You are no longer a nameless person with a bunch of mistakes and a bunch of past and a bunch of hurt and a bunch of trauma. You are a son and you are a daughter to the Most High King. And that's the real miracle. That's the real miracle. That, yes, her body stopped bleeding, but she was adopted into the family of God in this moment. Here's why this is so interesting. Now we got to nerd out on the Greek because the Greek matters here. See, there's a couple words you can use for healed. And the words used previously in the text talking about healing or or these things that that at once she was healed is just a normal word meaning that you are cured from sickness. You're healed. But in verse 34, I'm going to read it to you again. I want you to hear this because our text that we read in the English doesn't do this very well. And I'm going to give you some Greek knowledge. Verse 34, he said to her daughter, he gave her instant status. She is healed. She can be in a home. She has value and worth. Everything that this one thing stole from her because it leaked into her whole life in one word. Jesus changed all of it instantly. She thought, I just need physical healing. He's like, I'm not just into physical healing. I'm into healing your soul. I'm into healing everything. I'm into healing you completely. You are a daughter. And she says, I'm no one's daughter. And he says, you're my daughter. That's what he means there. Daughter. He's saying you are a daughter of the most high king. You are not excluded from the family of God. You're not far away. But then it says this. He says, daughter, verse 34, your faith has healed you. Everyone, if you have a Bible with you, you need to circle that word healed. Right there. Just circle it because it's a different word. It's translated as healed here but this word has a much deeper meaning i'm going to give you the greek word it's sozo everyone say sozo. sozo there's another common word that this is translated in in the new testament and it's this salvation that word sozo can mean to heal yes or saved what is jesus indicating to her in this moment you're not just healed you're saved your faith has rescued you. It wasn't her faith that did. It, it was her faith in God. And she was met with that faith. And she is, according to the text, saved. So let me reread the verse with this understanding. Verse 34, daughter, your faith has saved you. Saved you, rescued you, redeemed you, healed you, restored you. Go in peace and be free From your suffering, God does not just want to heal your body. He wants to heal your soul. Because how many of us know, yes, it may be a physical trauma. It may be something like that. It may be a financial trauma. But how many of us know that your soul is more wounded than the physical ailment or the financial ailment or something that's going on in your life right now, the relational ailment? Your soul is wounded. Your soul is hurt. Because let me just tell you something. We're going to see. I'm going to give you a little bit of a preview for next week. This story is found in the middle of another story. This is the healing of Jairus' daughter. Jairus' daughter was 12 years old. Remember I told you there's a connection? And what happens to Jairus' daughter is she dies. And Jesus raises her. Back to life. And there is no coincidence here that what God is saying through this text is He's not just into healing people, He's into bringing dead things back to life. See, because her body was healed, but her soul was brought back to life, she was saved. She was rescued. And I told you in this room that God wants to heal you. And he doesn't just want to heal part of you. He wants to heal all of you. And are you ready in this room to not just receive emotional or or relational or financial or, or physical healing? Are you ready to be saved? Because that's the business that God is in. He's in the saving business, not just the healing business. He wants to heal you in this room completely. And I know some of us want our trauma to go away and our pain to go away and our relational issues to go away. But God just doesn't want those things to go away because those things can be used to bring you to him. And are you ready to be saved? What was dead in your life, are you ready for it to come back to life? And maybe in this room, God is calling you to that for the very first time in your life. Because here's the reality. She could have walked away, and yes, she wouldn't be bleeding anymore, but she would still deal with the trauma and the rejection and all of these things. Would she not? How many of us have had some of those things healed in our life, but you still walk around with the wounds? Remember what I talked about with my shoulder. My shoulder was completely healed, but for two years I acted like it wasn't. I didn't walk in my healing. Are you walking in your healing? Are you walking in your salvation? For if you know God, then you went from death to life. Are you walking in it? Or are you still walking like you're in a grave? You're saved. You're rescued. And you're redeemed in this place. And so Cody's going to come up and we're going to worship. But today you should have gotten... One of these. See, because some of us in the room need to do a little bit of business with God. Some of us in this room need to fight through the crowd and touch the garment. Some of us in this room need to get to Jesus right now. And you were handed this card because we did this like on a whim last night. And it was so powerful. We're doing it again today. Here's what we want you to do. On this card, what needs healed in your life? What needs rescued and saved in your life? What is dead in your life that needs to be brought back that you are fully healed in Christ? You just need to start walking in it. Some of you are still walking in your grave clothes. Remember when Jesus raises Lazarus from the dead and he says, get those grave clothes off of him. That's not his identity anymore. He's not dead. He is alive. And some of us in this room, you have been brought back to life, but you're wearing old clothes. And so here's what I'm gonna ask you to do today. How do we metaphorically do this? I want you to write on this card, whatever that trauma is, whatever that that, that moment is, whatever that hopelessness is, whatever that, that thing that, that needs to be healed, and you're saved in this room, then you need to walk in your healing. It's done. It's gone, and it has been paid for. You are sozo. You're saved. You're rescued. Because he doesn't want to just heal part of you. He wants to heal all of you. We just got to walk into it today. So here's what I'm going to ask. Fight through the crowd. Fight through the crowd. Fight for Jesus. Get to him because the enemy is going to give you every reason not to write this down. And you need to fight against the enemy right now. I want you to write it down on this card. And as Cody is leading us in worship, I want you to have the strength and the faith, just like the woman with bleeding. If I can just get to him, if I can just get to Jesus, then I know that I will be okay. Do you know that today? Do you have that faith today? Write it down and come lay it on this altar. And it's it's like you're taking off the grave clothes today and you're walking towards your healing, and you're walking in your freedom. Go in peace and walk in your freedom. You do not need to suffer anymore, for you are saved. If you didn't get a card, don't worry. We have these Connect cards. Use those. This stage was full last night. And what we're going to do as a staff is we're going to take them in in staff meeting tomorrow afternoon at 445. We're going to pray over every single one of you. We're going to pray that you walk in your healing. We're going to pray that you walk in your freedom. We're going to pray that you walk in your salvation and that God does a great work. And what you leave here today is left forever. It's time to move forward. And so I'm going to pray. And as the Lord leads, write down that thing. And it can be many things. Write them down and leave them here. Come and touch the tassel of the king and you will be healed. God, we love you. We thank you for your freedom. We thank you for your salvation. We thank you that a nameless woman in the Bible that no one wanted anything to do with because of all the problems that she had, you called daughter. And we are not exempt from that grace and that mercy and that peace in this place today. And so, Lord, call out your sons and daughters today. May we come to the altar. May we lay down these things. May we be done with these grave clothes. May we walk in our freedom because you don't just heal things. You bring dead things back to life. And it's time for us to walk in the life that you have saved us for. And so, God. We don't have any more time for these regrets. We don't have any more time for these things because all we got is you and all we need is you. And so God, give us strength today. Give us faith today. Whatever we thought was impossible is not impossible with you. May we lay it at your feet today. God, we love you. We thank you in Christ's name. And everybody said,